Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Amen. Amen. So last week, Pastor Charlie had preached on understanding your spiritual heritage. I need to learn how to do stuff like that. <laughs> so um, understanding your spiritual heritage, part one. And today we're going to be talking about understanding your spiritual heritage, part two, which we are doing the second portion of Nehemiah chapter nine, verses 22 through 38. So before we jump into the part two, I wanted to um, reflect on what Charlie had preached on last week, which was how his three main or his three points of what he was preaching on last week is identifying. I don't got this in front of me. So identifying and, re- and repenting, which is identifying repenting of your generational sin. That's when you start to identify what your generational sin could possibly be. And then once you know what that is. We move on to part two, which is taking over personal responsibility for it, which means that you yourself are responsible on rather you want to contend that generational sin within your family line. And third point is responding, responding to generational family sins. Once you are aware, once you have taken responsibility of it, what are you now going to do with that information that you have now been made known about? Um, because in the day is on, we, we are responsible for our own actions. Now, jumping into, jumping into uh, the next part, it was part two. I'm, a, I'm opening up with God blesses us. Can some people give us some ways on how God has blessed us? Open floor. Amen, amen. Gotta slide this up. Go ahead. Anyone else? Amen, amen. Anyone else want to say how God has blessed us or you or? Amen. Oh, you stood up. I thought you were about to, you know. <laughs> I was saying, take the floor, take the floor. So, all right. Um, so what I want to, I know we have been focusing on a lot of uh, generational family sin, but I, I, I want us to pivot a little bit and go to the next part of uh, like, we, we always giving something and God give us qualities of good spiritual qualities that come from our family history as well. It's not just a generational sin thing that um, we are, as you say, bogged down with. We, we get some good stuff from our family history, which is leadership. Um, you got that in front of me. Leadership, we get um, courage. You know, some people in the family like be prayer warriors. Uh, we have teachers, patients, you rec- uh, endurance, faith, and you get like trade working skills that may be within the family line of we all in construction, we all doctors, um, stuff of that nature. So it, we, 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 we have good things that come from our family heritage, 
that we can focus on and be able to adapt and pursue it within our life. Um, but when we look at verses 22 through 30, 26, um, it says, My version may be a little bit different from yours. So we have moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts so that so they took possessions of the land of Sion. Um, and I want to focus just on the highlighted portion of it. Say you made their sin. You made their sons as numerous as the stars of heaven. And you brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to enter and possess us. So the. They captured fortified cities and fertile lands. They took possessions of houses full of every good thing, carved out sinisters, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled and put on fat and lived luxuriously in the great goodness, in the great goodness. So we see here that in um, Nehemiah, God had given them a great land god had given them multiple fruit god had given them everything that they needed to, in order to sustain a good luxurious life and that's why i have the title like living the good life god have given you things god have um blessed you with things that way you can live that luxurious life um and but a lot of times when god give us those glorious things we still find ways to go back to the, the, the spiritual sin. We still find ways to go back to the things that hurt us. We still find ways to mess up the goodness and the blessings that God has given us. So when we look at verse 27, it says that, now we just seen that they just, okay, yeah. <laughs> It says, therefore, you delivered them into, I should go back. Yep. But they became rebellious and revolted against you, and they threw the, your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had admonished them in order to bring them back to you and commit great blasphemy. So once again, they begin to revolt against God. They begin to move away. They begin to... Um, abuse the goodness that God had pretty much gave within that life. So when, when we find ourselves in a way of re re rebuke, rebuking God and going our separate way, what, what is God's action on that? What is God's plan on that? What did, what did he do when we um, go against him? We look at 27. He say, therefore you delivered them, God, you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them and in time of their troubles and when they cried out to you you heard from heaven and according to your abundance mercy you gave them deliverance deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemy so we have here that it said that god had turned them over into the people i mean his their enemies so god turned the turn god turned his people over to their enemies hands God turned those people over into their enemy hands. He let them into the enemy's hand because he allowed people to have free will. God let us make our own choices in life. And a lot of times our choices can put us in some hard situations. So God let you go into the enemy's hands because we have dominion. He's not going to force you to do his will. He's not going to force you to 
receive his blessings. That's not love. So they turned around and cried out to God once they was in trouble. So once they cried out to God, God came to the rescue because he loves his children. God came to the rescue because he loved his children. He came to the rescue because he heard his children's cry. And whenever any of us hear a child's cry, the first thing we do is we run to it. We see what's wrong. We, 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 we try to be there for that person. Um, and it's the same way with us. So God sent a deliverer, someone to come and save them from their mess. So we look at verse 28. And once again, we see a, a, a repeated history here as... Um, we see a repeated history as God gave them rest, he saved them, and then next thing you know, they was in good standards again, they fell back into sin, they cried out to the Lord again, God saved them, it's a repeated, repeated history, and what, what we see here is that yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven that many, many, many times you delivered them according to your mercies. So, I want, I, I want to like step back for a limit for a minute like we are no different from the people of Israel we we pretty much live that same exact life of we put ourselves or I put myself in a sticky situation I cry out to Lord and then I'll be like Lord if you help me with this I'll never do this again and then once God come and save me from that problem you know one or two weeks go by and then next thing you know you got to go back to God and be like, I'm in this situation again. I don't know how I got here. I know you saved me the first time, but if you save me again, I, I, I promise I won't do it again. And then we go back once again, one, two weeks later, and we fall back into that same cycling pattern of crying back to God and trying to have him save us from our situation. Now, let's look on the other side of the coin. How many of us in here gave people like some advice? Somebody gave, everybody gave people advice? And you told them like, you know, I don't think that's a good idea for you to do that. Then they go and do it. They come back to you, he's like, oh man, that didn't work out. He was like, oh. you try not to say I told you it wasn't gonna work. But then they ask you for another advice. You tell them again, they go, it don't turn out. They do whatever they want. They come back to you and they cry to you again. And you start to get annoyed. You're like, I know, I, I'm telling you how, the, the, the correct way is to go with the, how to handle this situation, but you don't listen to me. So us as humans get annoyed and frustrated of the same old pattern, but we don't think about how we do that with God. We don't, we don't think about how, even though God loves us, um, and he's never going to get tired of saving us, but it's, it's, it's a principle of living your life to please God. So, you go to the next slide. Um, as I say, God is always there for you. He's always going to be there for you. He's always going to save you. He's always going to deliver you from your problems and whatever we go through. But you have to be able to try to keep your path and mind focus on God. That way you can stop falling within that same um, spiritual heritage sin. So, and we can go to the next one. So some of the things on, I want to look at is like, why do God deliver us? You know, we put ourselves in a lot of situations and we put ourselves in over and over um, that causes us to cry out to God. Same thing causes the people to cry out to God. 
But why do God always answer those calls? And I said one is he loves us. As, as children of God, he is always going to be there for us. He's always going to make sure that we are okay. And he's always going to make sure that we are taken care of. Just like any parent would try to do for their child. Um, the, the second is he is merciful. So God shows his mercy. In verse 31, it's, uh, God shows his mercy for us. And it says, nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. So God is, a, he, he's merciful. He, he, when we don't deserve his, well, that's mercy, but like when, we, when we don't deserve his goodness, he still give it to us. Three, he is patient. God gives us patience. I mean, God gives us chances to get things right. So it's a, you, uh, verse 30 says, yet for many years you have, you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets, yet, yet they would not listen. We, we, we fall into that same pattern that God is patient with us. He knows we're not going to get it right on the first time. He knows we can't do it by ourselves, which is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So he remains patient with us. And then four is God, uh, he is faithful to us and keep his promise, his loyalty to us. So God is, God is, he remains faithful to us when we don't remain faithful to him. So, and some of the reference scripture that I wanted to um, point out to you that help us with that is Second Timothy. It says, there is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we also, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So we look here the way as though, once again, God made a promise, a covenant with us, and he will not deny himself. He will not backtrack on his words, and he will always remain faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. And verse, um, I mean, Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conduct be without covenant, covenantness. Be content with, thing, with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what we do that God is not pleased with, he will never leave us or forsake us. So verse 35, I mean, verse 33 through 35, um, we're looking at it say they did not serve God. It said, um, they did not serve God in their place. They did not worship God as they should have, even when God let good things happen to them. So this, that was just a summary of, um, I'm summarizing all of the scripture here to where as though God had given them a place. We are supposed to be servants of God and he did not, and they did not, they was not servants of God within Israel. So just like the people in Nehemiah, we forget about all the good things God has allowed in our life. We overlook the good things in our life and tend to take credit for it like we got there ourselves. We got to where we are today because of who we are. We tell people, oh yeah, I did this and this is why I am here where I am at today. Instead of giving God glory and say, God bless me with abundance of 
You can go to the next one. Well, God bless me with abundance of um, things. So as those like we have to be, we have to start giving God more credit for the things that He has allowed within our life. We have to start giving God. We have to start glorifying God on thanking Him for getting us to where we are today. Um, rather, that's extremely good things, or rather, it's tests and trials so we can build our endurance and character up. So the more we glorify ourselves, the more we fall back into the enemy's hands. We begin to think I am the reason instead of God being the reason. Um, verse 36 and 38 is. So say, here we are servants today in the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. Here we are servants in it. And I jump down to 38 and I say, because of all this, we make sure a covenant write it, our leaders, our Levites and priests see it. So Nehemiah is calling for recognition here. So Nehemiah is calling for everyone to become servants of God, to focus more on becoming servants of God instead of trying to run the things that God has gave us within our life. If we can serve God and be, be thankful for the things that we have received, we can be able to reside in his goodness and mercies longer than what we currently do. So once we recognize that we are servants and not above one another, we, we, we will continue to remain faithful to him. So in response to that, so, uh, in response to that, Nehemiah had made a sure covenant um, with the people of Israel. Because of that, Nehemiah um, made a sure covenant with God and his people. And the purpose of this was that way the people can change their behavior and make a pledge to mirror God's faithfulness. So we have to attempt and try to mirror God's faithfulness that he shows us. We're not going to be as perfect as what God is, but we have to be able to try and we have to be able to attempt to remain faithful to God, even when those temptations come across our way. Um, so I say, like, what areas in your life do we need to mirror God's faithfulness? We, we, we're talking about like a spiritual heritage. Um, we know generational sin is a thing. We know generational sin can play a part in our lives. And we know history tends to repeat itself. So how can we, this is not an open floor question, but how can we be able to mirror God's faithfulness within our own life when we come across those things. We have to be able to keep, we have to be able to keep our mind on God and remain faithful to him. So that way we can stop the sins that runs through our family line. Um, and, I, I, and I like the scripture that Charlie had used last week in Jeremiah uh, 31, 29 through 30. It says, in those days, it will never again be said, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Rather, each will die for his own iniquity. Anyone who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. And I just uh, and I like when Charlie had used the scripture last week because it, it, it goes back to like you as an individual are responsible for the actions that you take within your life. What, what your fathers and your mothers did 
and grandparents did, do not fall. Their consequences do not fall on you. The sins and stuff that they made, you are not responsible for. Now, when you are be aware of that, like we had talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how that family tree line just repeated the same sin over and over and over again. It has to be to a point to where as though we have to stand up and not only take responsibility for it and identifying like, yes, this is real. Yes, this exists. We have to be able to um, stand up and be like, this will no longer continue with me. This will no longer continue with my line and I will try to prevent it from continuing with my children's lines and grandchildren's line. Um, and it, it, it would be even stronger once you are made aware of that, that you can now teach the generations afterwards that, look, this is the thing within our family. This is how we need to do to try to get things right. And, um, and, and, and personally, that's just something that I can say like, I'm battling, or that's something like within my family line. I, I mean, we made way or something, and I'm, I'm trying to make a choice on not to repeat history. And some things, sometimes things can skip a generation and get picked back up. So we have to be able to inform children and at the proper age that, look, be aware of this. Don't want you to fall inside the same trap that our family fell into. Um, we don't have to hide when they get to a certain age, we, we should not hide everything to try to keep children away from bad things because they're going to experience the world. They're going to experience life when they're not with you 24-7. So they're going to see the real world at some point within their life. So we have to be able to prepare the next generation for that, not even for your own children, but for children that come into the church, from children that we... Um, deal with on camps from children that we deal with on um tutoring everything that we come across we have to be able to prepare them for the real world as well as the spiritual world so i mean that's pretty much one uh that's pretty much going to wrap up everything for the spiritual heritage part two is focusing more on your personal impact of your life um and what that value means to you and what that means and how we can try to stop something before it can create destruction on the inside. So um, I'll close us out in prayer and then we'll have Morgan come up to uh, sing.